Welcome to Anything Goes, the best geek and pop culture podcast broadcasting from Long Island, New York. I'm your host, Timothy Rooney. And like a couple of weeks ago where I did a podcast with Richard Jackson from Cambridge, he is back again. And like we teased in the last episode about Doctor Who, we're talking about Doctor Who today. So hello, Richard. Hello, young man. Hi, how are you? I'm okay. I'm pretty good. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. And... Before we get into it, I just want to say that the, we will be covering the first three episodes of this season, so this will be a this will be spoiler territory throughout. So please, people, whoever's listening, don't get mad. You know what you were signing up for. So if, <laughs> if you still get pissed, fuck you. It's not my problem. I gave you a warning. <laughs> All, right. All right, everybody, we're gonna we're gonna jump into Doctor Who series nine. <laughs> Richard, what were your feelings on the upcoming season before it started? After the last season ended up there too, parter ender in that finale, and then the Christmas episode led up to this. What were your feelings going into this season? I felt that the last season, despite, you know, because I really love Peter Capaldi, and I thought that was a really brilliant choice of casting. I thought last season was a bit weak, to be fair. It had highlights, but I wasn't I wasn't mad on it. It felt like something was missing. And I kind of feel that normally a Doctor needs a second series to kind of settle into it and everything. Uh, so I was kind of quietly optimistic about this series. And I've been rewarded, I think. I think we've had a fantastic run of three episodes so far. Been really good for my money. Um, I don't know how, how you feel yourself. Um, like you said, like, I was... It was uh, because I had watched the few like up the few previous seasons on Netflix, and this is like the first series I like really sat down and watched week to week. I don't know why I found it tough to make sure to sit down and watch it week to week. Not to say that could just be maybe just my schedule was not working out and I just didn't have time to it, or it could have just been the, the lackluster writing that couldn't hook me in to be there every week, unlike this mm-hmm. unlike this uh, year's uh, series. But like I was like. Like you said, there were moments that I'm like, hey, that's really good, and that's actually really funny. But even the finale, like, it's supposed to be a tearjerker, and I'm like, uh, I don't know. It oh, fell flat for uh, me. Missed the mark horribly, particularly spoilers, Danny Pink and the Cyberman thing. It's like, Clara, I am sad, Clara. I am a robot, Clara. <laughs> it was just like, oh, God, this is awful. Um, though Michelle Gomez is great as the new master, I really love Missy. I think he, she does a really great job. Um, so it was nice to have her introduced, you know, last series. But yeah, uh, and I, and I do like the mystery building up to it. I just feel like the payoff was—I don't want to use the word lackluster again, but I, like maybe flat or just like, hey, you can go back and change any war you wanted because you have the army of the dead. Like, mm. why would you expect he want to do that? But I think it's the master would know him better at that point to be like, no, he doesn't like that. He's irrevocably changed because of the time war. He wanted to find, it was nothing to do with any really 
warfare or any violence of that nature. Yeah, I, you know, and she has been much better deployed in the opening two-parter of this series. That's her, true. She, her writing made more sense, and she's just better and sharper and everything. Mm-hmm. And, like, the only, like, really nice moment I thought at the end of the finale of last season was the Brigadier coming back as a Cyberman as, like, a little, like, <laughs> I'm just like, huh. All right, I thought I that was a questionable taste. Don't you? Considering that um, Nicholas Briggs is actually dead and everything. That's not Nicholas. Is it Nicholas Briggs that was the Brigadier? Oh, uh, I, I think Nicholas Briggs voices the Daleks. Oh, he's the voice guy. Anyway, um, yeah, RIP to him. I can't remember his proper name. It's awful. But I kind of felt that was in slightly bad taste. They already did quite a nice send-off for him, didn't they? Do you remember? I yeah. think it was... Uh, yeah, with uh, Matt Smith. So to just sort of go like, yeah, he's a zombie robot now. It's just like, oh, God, that's a real person that's died that you've done that with. It, I don't know. I don't, it didn't sit right with me. But anyway. I mean, like we were talking about earlier in the week, we're having the five doctors. Like we have stock fo- footage of William Hartnell and then another actor playing his role come back. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. You probably could argue that's more tasteful than anything like that. But I just feel like. Some people can make an argument like, well, he shouldn't have been there because he was dead. Because Jerry yeah. was dead. Well, they didn't, make, they didn't make William Hartnell come back as a zombie robot. So it's kind of not, you know, they chose their, uh, their stall, which is like, oh, well, someone else is just going to have to play Hartnell. Okay. Whereas, like, just, uh, it was weird. It didn't sit. I, I, uh, it, it felt grubby to me. I don't know. <laughs> At least it was quick. At least it wasn't like he was an integral part of the plot. It was just like a long little, <laughs> how bad would that been? Oh, mate, what if they gave him a spin-off? Uh, <laughs> like a spin-off zombie brigadier fucking episode. Where, where Russell T. Davies will do two seasons and promise a third. And <laughs> then does a miniseries with stars. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, and I would watch that. I would watch that. But Yeah. Oh, man, we're already taking shots fired already at Davies, but even though we, we've said in the last episode we were actually fans of Davies' writing too, so... Yeah, indeed, indeed. But he's a very uh, he's a very soft target for making digs, so why not? For exactly. <laughs> entertainment of ourselves and others, why not? Um, then there was the Christmas episode where um, Santa Claus was in it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. With um, Nick Frost playing Santa Claus, so I think I think that was superb casting. Yes, excellent, really good, and he's great, isn't he? In, in basically anything he does, so you know that's all that's all gravy with me um, to have Nick Frost involved. I just feel like, um, but there are certain like stories when it comes to like like oh we can like many Doctor Who stories we can change the past and everything will be fine, but there are certain moments like when you introduce like the silence or him seeing the fruit in this, and you're like, huh. How do we know this is really happening, or how do we know this is not just another multi-layered of the um, xenomorph inception dreams? Yeah, yeah, yeah indeed. <laughs> you, I mean, you, you got—that's the thing when you play around with time travel. You got to be careful because you can. It can very easily feel like a cop out when you do that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. You've got kind of a balancing act, which I thought was interesting. In well, we'll get to it soon, but I like the, the the time travel was well deployed in this week's episode. Um, but we'll come to that. That's kind of the last thing we're going to talk about, isn't yeah. it? But uh, come back to that. I'll put a pin in that for later. But um, yeah, there's a balancing act to be had there. I think when you have time machines and stuff. I mean, like, what was it? Like, they people could art. Like, people have said, like, this is a time travel show. Continuity is 
is like almost non-existent because you can barely keep up. Like I would like to see somebody with a gigantic whiteboard trying to keep track of all the movements of all things that have happened. I mean, you would go insane. Yeah, you would. You'd go bananas. This is just <laughs> madness. Doctor, well, that, I, I give that because I think it's Moffat said that, and I'll give him that because it contradicts itself over and over, but you can kind of, that's an acceptable hand wave as long as you don't deploy it too much. You're like, ah, oh, well, time travel, because it's true. Well, it's not true. There's no such thing. But, you, you know, you get it, it, how you choose to use your rules, you set your own rules. The ones in Doctor Who are quite fluid, so you can kind of basically mess around, I think, and, and, and not compromise things too much. It's just... There was a massive tendency in New Doctor Who to hit the big reset button. They just did it all the time, and Russell T. Davis was bloody shocking for it. Moffat is as well. And then they made a joke about that in the 50th by actually making it a big red button and everything. You know? Yeah. Uh, at least they're like self-aware of it. But then like the one big glaring example that I, I really it really irked me was, like, uh, I think it was The Doctor's Wife, where the TARDIS was actual a physical person for an episode. And then, mm-hmm. and then she's like, "You, ch- I chose you to steal me. That's why, and I've taken you where you needed to go, not where you've wanted to go. And mm-hmm. then the unveil for who Clara is. No, I told you which TARDIS to take. And I'm like, you really just yeah. that episode. Make your fucking mind up. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. But I think they were like, so many things with Clara, They like, I feel like they were struggling to find a purpose for her after she was a lady Dalek and not a lady Dalek. And they're like, yeah. uh, she's the impossible girl. What does that mean? I don't know. Ooh, mystery. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, this is something that's been taught because they used her well in these new episodes that have just been on, but her arc is basically over, you know, like her, her impossible girl stuff's done and her thick boyfriend's dead. So it's just <laughs> like, well, you know, now what? Um, what was what was episode one called of this series? Do this we know? Was, uh, the Mag- Magician's Apprentice. Oh, of course, the Magician's Apprentice, and the Witch is familiar. Yeah, so um, I really, I really liked the Magician's Apprentice. I thought it was bloody brilliant. And as a kid, when I used to watch kind of old Who as a kid, you know, um, Davros was always kind of like the Darth Vader figure. Mm-hmm. And so to have you know the big baddie come back, and they dropped him in a brilliant way by having him as a kid and having the doc to kind of save him, which then, you know, the whole episode was a hark back to Genesis of the Daleks, the Tom Baker serial, which is one of my favourites. They even played the clip of him when he's debating whether, you know, if he touches the two wires together, it will cause kind of a retroactive genocide. Um, So, you know, that I I thought was a really fantastic episode. And Clara was used well in it, you know, even though her arc's over, her writing's sharp and her relationship with the Doctor is developed to a point. And and mainly it was about the interplay between her and Missy wasn't it? And um, those two went really well together, I thought. And it was that, um, I, I love that one moment where her and Missy having that conversation while they're both being trained by snipers. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're saying like, you see that couple with the dog? You're the dog in that situation. And it's so true. <laughs> I, I think that was a really um, nice way to describe to her what her real relationship is between the master and the doctor, which I wonder if the master is actually telling the truth that she feels genuine towards that those like like she's speaking the truth because like the first rule of the doctor is the doctor lies we we could probably make that argument the same thing for the master so who knows mm. yeah well they did that kind of gag where she listed off three things about the doctor and went one of those is a lie you know it's classic moffat yeah it's, it's, it's great little kind of cheeky things to throw in and everything um i just kind of feel i really feel that because, you know, I've been a fan of Capaldi for, like, years and years. And Did you watch The Thick of it? 
Uh, I did not. Which which show is that? That sounds very familiar. The thick of it is essentially what Veep is based on. Okay. Um, Veep is by a guy called Armando Iannucci, who's like a, um, a Scottish satirist. He's one of my favourite comedians. Fucking brilliant. Um, and it's about uh, a spin doctor in in a Labour government in Westminster. So it's about behind the scenes at number 10 and everything. And Peter Capaldi played the main guy who was called... Um, Oh shit! It's gone out of my head. Bloody hell! He was the—he uh, was like this super evil kind of uh, political maneuverer uh, behind he the scenes. All the time. Yeah, he—he. He, okay. Oh my god, it, it, Malcolm Tucker. Because there's a movie called In the Loop with James Gandolfini about the same character. Mm. He's called Malcolm Tucker, and he's like this psychopathic kind of politico, and he's always—he's always just saying like horrible things to people all the time. It's like. I've seen clips of him, like his rants and stuff like that. And my favorite one is when he's out in front of the White House and like these two like rotund people are like, "Hey, hey, buddy, watch out with the language. Kiss my my sweaty balls, you fat fuck!" And he runs away. Somebody, you fat fuck. He took that. Somebody took that and then put the Doctor Who theme as he ran away. As he runs away, take that iPod out its sheath and shove it up your cock. He, so, but he, so he's great. I've always liked him. And when they cast him, it was like, tick loads of boxes for me. Oh, he's an older doctor. You know, they've gone down the other way. It's Capaldi, who's brilliant. And he's a fan. You know, it had everything going for it. And the first series, uh, his first series, I felt like he wasn't quite comfortable in it. Hadn't no. quite settled in. And I thought this Doctor's Need a series. Straight away from these three episodes, he's been absolutely brilliant. I just thought he's so good. And him and Clara's relationship is cemented and it works properly. Their chemistry is kind of finally settled in. Um, and yeah, straight back into the first episode, it's full of funny bits. You know, he, he was his own doctor. There was no kind of holdovers from previous ones. He's used very deliberate kind of references to, uh, tr- uh, to Hartnell and Pertwee in his performance and in his attire, which, you know, Pertwee's my favorite doctor. So I really love that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, coming straight back into the series, one of the big things is that he feels consummately like he's the doctor, whereas perhaps before he wasn't quite as confident in it. And now, He's just in full swing in these three episodes. I thought he's been so good in them and really funny. Like he's had some choice lines, but he's delivered them brilliantly. Um, and his doctor's developed. He's less kind of like spiky and ambiguous. He is he is nice, but he's still kind of a bit of a prick. Yeah. That's, that's what I always liked about Pertwee. Pertwee's kind of like your granddad if your granddad was a bit of a prick because he's always just like mean to all the time to like Sarah Jane and Joe. He should just say horrible things to him and call them like chimpanzees and stuff. <laughs> is there anything great. I can do? Yes, can you pass that to me? Yes. Clink 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 <laughs> clink 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 clink. Thank you. <laughs> oh. So good. Do you know um cuz Pertwee in well in this country, he did like loads of children's TV aside from Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. Um so there was a thing kind of called there's a thing called Wurzel Gummidge which is about like a a talking scarecrow with Pertwee, and there's a cartoon called Super Ted, and he played Spotty, who was like Super Ted's buddy. So, um, yeah, Pertwee was like, as a kid, I already really loved him from other shows mm-hmm. as well as Doctor Who, and he had, he had that kind of, particularly Wurzel Gummidge is kind of like, as you know, he's like your nice magical granddad type thing. Oh, um, nice. Yeah, so like, he already had like a place in a lot of kids' hearts anyway. Uh, same thing with Troughton, actually, because he did kids' telly as well. Um, whereas, Peter Capaldi comes from, like, did you see him on Craig Ferguson? I, I've seen, like, I've like seen like his appear appearances, yeah, but I know that he played a band with Ferguson, like, back in the 70s, or maybe, like, late 70s. Yeah. Or, 
And Those so guys just... used to drop acid together in fucking Scotland when they were in a band. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, he plays Sweary Malcolm Tucker from the thick of it. Like, he's been in a bunch of movies and stuff. Like, he's been knocking around for years. He's in the movie Local Hero with Burt Lancaster and stuff. Um, and he won an Oscar in 95. He did, yeah, as a director. Um, which, which I was like, blew my mind. I'm like, what? Yeah, for best uh, live action short film. And I'm like, huh. Yeah. And he's going to direct an episode of Veep for um, Armando Iannucci um, next year. So, you know, he's kind of an all-round creative, but he comes from essentially, a, you know, a quote-unquote adult background. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's fused together these elements of the kind of the friendlier doctors and stuff and the older ones because um, he just he just gets it, I think. And, um, well, you know, the, the first episode, the first two episodes back, they dealt with heavyweight stuff, didn't they? You know, it's it's the it's the, the death of uh, or the supposed death of Davros and, um, you know, the reinstatement of Scaro as a place that still exists um, when it wasn't supposed to. Like, you know, it was destroyed in the time war and all the rest of it. Mm-hmm. Um you know, and yeah, that, that kind of uh, the development of the relationship of the Doctor and Davros and, and you know, it used the Daleks again, which, you know, could be a bit of an albatross in Doctor Who. Sometimes it was going back to Daleks and they always lose and they always come back. But it did it well. It made it feel it felt worthwhile. And they did in Asylum of the Daleks with Matt Smith. They were like, oh, yeah, we're bringing back all these old Daleks. And it's like, no, you're not. They're sitting around in the background. Whereas yeah. in that one, they had the proper 60s Dalek. They had the special weapons Dalek from Sylvester McCoy. The uh, brightly coloured Power Ranger Daleks were <laughs> conspicuously absent, though, weren't they? Which yeah. uh, thinks that I think the, the the backlash to that situation has finally come full circle in that they've just fucked them off all completely. I, I, I refer them to the the uh, salt the salt and pepper shakers of Daleks and like that. I feel like that should be on a table. They should probably turn over like all right. This is very nice. This is very pretty. Something like that. That's something like a really. Like, person wants to over-design their kitchen could see them making salt and pepper shakers of those Daleks right there. I think there must be, because that's, um, that's kind of a running joke that people call them pepper pots. And someone <laughs> must have made Dalek pepper pots. You'd be a fool not to, wouldn't you, really? Exactly. Um, and they're saying, like the, like, the show opens up. Now, my buddy, my, my buddy Dakota, who's watching it with me, like, he's seen more classic Doctor Who than I. And then, like... Once, it, like, we see this ancient battlefield with, like, different technology being used together as a, in the war, and then, like, goes to, we reveal that Scar and his young Davros that the Doctor has a chance to save, and, like, he's like, I knew it, because he had seen the Genesis of the Daleks, and I hadn't at the time, but when they, they did broadcast it again the following day, which I finally got a chance to watch, and I'm like, huh... Like, what do you do? It's like, <laughs> it's like the question is, like, if you're going to go back in time and kill Hitler, would you or something like that? That like Those kind of, like, mm-hmm. what-if situations and it's finally coming to fruition in a show like this. Yeah, yeah, it's great. And it... Oh, go, go on. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, yeah. And it, I, th- I thought I'd lost you there on the, on the connection. Um, yeah, and it, it pays back, pays off that kind of thing that was set up in Genesis all those years ago. And it revisits that concept, like you say, of, you know, would you kill Hitler and everything, which they did literally do in who a few years ago, of course. Um, <laughs> less said about that, I better. got a gun, you got a time machine. Let's kill Hitler. <laughs> My friend Tom says that River Song is Poochie. You know Poochie from The Simpsons? Oh. In the... <laughs> it's basically exactly Poochie. I'm not going to look at her the same now. I hope you're happy. <laughs> have to return to my home planet. Um, 
um, yeah, anyway, it, so it was, yeah, the, the Scaro sets were like the classic Scaro sets from the original Hartnell Dalek serial. I don't know if you've seen that, like the first appearance of the Daleks, I can't remember what oh, it's yeah. called. Yeah, so the sets and the internal kind of sets and stuff were all like the ones Hartnell was running around in and it had all kind of the grey colour scheme and everything, so it was all very, very faithful to the to the concepts and stuff, which I found really lovely. Um, and they introduced that idea of, you know, the Dalek sewer sludge. I thought that was cool that they just become, you know, sentient shit, essentially. Yeah. Um, idea, and it's kind of a, a, a good portrayal of, of sort of ignominious torment for these things um, and makes them kind of borderline sympathetic. Uh, revisiting, I liked the, uh, the idea, the kind of redoing... Clara trapped in a Dalek uh, was nice. Really, I thought that was really clever. And the way, you know, the, the Dalek shell doesn't allow you to express anything outside of the, you know, the party line. So it's just like, I am a Dalek, I am a Dalek, I am a Dalek. It was nice. Um, yeah, it was good. I, and and the the whole thing hung together really well. And I just thought it was it was funny. It was pacey. It was, uh, you know, respectful to the continuity. It was exciting. It used all the kind of, you know, all the key Doctor Who kind of uh, tropes. And, and they used it as a way for, he's done a fifth Doctor, hasn't he? And he's, he's fucked off the sonic screwdriver in favour of glasses, which is kind of cheating. So he hasn't really got rid of it. He's just turned it into Google Glass. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, I, I always like whenever I see those glasses, I always just think like that those are like the Reservoir Dogs sunglasses because like everybody had a pair in that movie, and that's why I always prefer. I'm like, oh, these guys, these guys, Tarantino glasses on right now, cool. Um, yeah. And it was funny because what was it? Um, the the introduction of the Doctor fully because we saw him in shadow and stuff like that, and through fog throughout the episode. Then when they finally track him down in Essex in like the 14th century. And yeah, we need in. to look for what's it? We need to look for anachronisms. <laughs> <laughs> and he comes in on a tank, like <laughs> playing a guitar. Oh, but we lost it. I was laughing my balls off when I saw that because I was like, "Oh, that's perfect." I don't care if this this rest of this episode is shitty because that that moment right there was perfect. How much better was that than you, Capaldi's first episode? I thought was really weak. Because they're both episodes are very light on the Doctor, and there's nothing wrong with that. No. But, like, the first episode of Capaldi, I was just like, uh, you know, it's all felt so half-baked and so lightweight. Whereas this, like you say, that introduction alone was like, oh, brilliant. Like, this is so good. He's, he's nailing it. And, you know, that's the fully formed Capaldi Doctor. It just felt so much better. Um, you know, it would have... Instead of a confused Scotchman running around in his in his pajamas, just trying to figure out who yeah. the hell he is. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Just sort of running around, sort of going like, "Oh, I don't know what's going on," and everything. It was just like, well, <laughs> you know, it, yeah. I mean, they really great uh, two two part thing, and I'm really excited for the rest of the series because obviously. I normally, you know, I always watch Doctor Who week by week. And you were saying earlier, you know, you weren't, you didn't feel kind of drawn into it by the last series. And, and I get that because Doctor Who at its best is really magnetic. You know, you, you want to watch it. I have definitely, I was doing a, a stag do, like a bachelor party last night, like I told you. So I had to miss Doctor Who. Right. Uh, I didn't really have any choice. I couldn't say to, you know, the groom, like, sorry, mate, Doctor Who's on. Yeah. <laughs> I have. Definitely, and I don't give a shit what anyone says. I, I've, I've cancelled. Well, I've, I've postponed social engagements to watch Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. If Doctor Who's on at seven, to be at six, I'm like, see you at eight. 
fully, you know, if I do. So me, because you know, I equate that to I don't really do sports, but I equate that to people like you know, missing things to watch the football. Yeah. To me, it's like, ah, Doctor Who. Like, I'm sorry, I'll come out afterwards. It's only an hour. Deal with yeah. it. I'll be out later. You know. Um, so, and I've found that with this, I would have stayed in last night, except circumstances didn't allow it. But it's so good again that I feel it's un- unmissable television. Whereas the last series, I kind of watched out of an obligation rather mm-hmm. than, you know, a kind of determined effort. It was like, well, I got to watch it really because it's Doctor Who and Capaldi's in it now. So I have to watch it because Peter Capaldi's the Doctor, even if so far it's been a bit weak. Whereas now I'm like, oh no, it's fucking brilliant and I have to watch it. Um, you have like you have justification and like like if even like by who fans like I can't miss this obviously like all these stories are being connected being like this is like we've got a two-parter and one half of a two-parter like I gotta watch it now I can't miss it and I, I understand what you're saying because like I'm okay when it comes to big sports and stuff like that like I'll sit down and watch a game but I'm like it was uh last night like my friend and I we watched Carrie because we we're gonna do a podcast on that but like we won't have enough time to finish the episode before Doctor Who comes on. I'm like, do you mind sitting around until Doctor Who's over until we do the podcast? He's like, yeah, sure, no problem. And I was like, okay, because like, I waited all week for this, and I'm doing a podcast on it tomorrow morning. I can't miss it. He's like, all right, fine, fine, fine. I'm like, good. I didn't have to argue my case too much. If it was somebody else, I'd probably have to be pulling teeth with people. It takes some doing, yeah, because I've certainly had, I've definitely had like, oh, guys, we're all, we're all meeting up in, in town for some drinks, like blah, blah, blah. And I'll be like, yeah, no, I'm not coming to half eight. Why aren't you coming to half eight? Doctor Who's on. Well, that's not an excuse. You've got to come out. Well, I am coming out. I'm coming out after Doctor Who. We're going to be drinking till three in the morning. You can lose me for an hour. I'm not missing Doctor Who. Come on. <laughs> Particularly that, t- that one time when David Tennant looked like he was going to regenerate in the finale and he didn't. Which yeah. was obviously bollocks. It was so obviously bollocks. But I spent the whole week going like, what's going to happen? And then <laughs> on the Saturday going like, yeah, don't call me. Don't look at me. Don't come to my house. <laughs> you just pull like a blanket over you and the TV itself. And it's just like this one big hump in the middle of the room. So you're like, what the fuck? As you scream, as you get the explanation that you've been waiting for all week. I might just, you know, take out a notice in the paper saying I'm dead. So people leave me alone. Just take out an obituary. Yeah, he was crushed by my piano on the way to work, so he's dead. Leave him alone. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> Something even like more cartoons, a safe or an anvil. <laughs> it's a different one every week, isn't it? I just be like, yeah, I've got better. Oh, no, it was an anvil this time. It was, it was oh, funny I thought it was a pile of birds it had a giant mouse trap in it. <laughs> it's funny that you mentioned that because my girlfriend was texting me because she got off work early and she's like oh I got off work early I'm like why well her boss like broke her foot and I'm like how something fell on it I'm like oh I wish it was a oh. goddamn anvil so, and I'm like no it was a bed frame ah, I guess you should rest up on that then it was a, then it just caused like, hey. at least 10, tech, 10 texts of terrible puns I'm, I'm surprised <laughs> she didn't come over to my house and kill me just for those terrible jokes she should, uh, she should hold on to you, mate. People appreciate puns later in life. Take oh, it from me. No. Uh, <laughs> so, back to Doctor Who of this series. Mm. Um, and so, Davros says he is dying and he has something to say to the Doctor. And that's why he summons him to Scarrow, which we don't know Scarrow. And Missy and 
Clara join in for the adventure. They go to Scarrow. Well, they discover it's Scarrow, and then we we trying to figure out what does the what does Davros want? He wants. It almost seems like he's making amends to it to what he has done. Now I don't know about you, but halfway th- through it, did you feel like something's wrong here? Something is up his sleeve. He's such a shithead, isn't he? That's yeah. the thing. Because they did it really well, and it. It it was you know they had the whole we're not so different you and I bullshit that always comes out, but they did it. The writing was I great. I did and... say that we're not. <laughs> 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 Doesn't have a moustache to twelve, but he might as well have done. Yeah, um, yeah, you know. But I thought it was it was on paper quite kind of hackneyed, but in in execution was really nice. And in a way, it was actually a shame that it turned out to be another scheme, really. So I thought it would have been quite nice to actually have them resolve this, not resolve, but at least come to some kind of peace with each other before he dies. But then it it becomes just like, again, um, which, you know, was fine. I, I get it. The execution was so good that I didn't really mind. And also, yeah, it's Davros. He's a prick. Like, of course it was Avon. Like, he's never going to change. He's, an, he's this awful, twisted, warped creature on every level. So it's like, yeah, you know. Shouldn't really be that surprised. It just would have been a bit more ballsy. That's probably my only criticism. It would have been a bit ballsier if they'd kind of run with it and just been like, oh, he actually is dead and that is actually what's happening and blah, blah, blah. Um, Which, like, people like could outcry, like, it's the end of Return of the Jedi. You demasculated him by taking <laughs> off his helmet and having him... I, I did say to myself, and I'm like, Doctor, let me see you with my yeah, with own eyes. eyes. <laughs> it was exactly Return of the Jedi, wasn't it? And it I'm just exa- like... No, they're not going to do this, are they? Holy shit, they are. Jedi did, mate. It was exa- you're exactly right. And I thought that at the time. It's like, let me see you with me. Help me take this mask off. <laughs> Which was a bit better than... Detonate the reality bomb! Like from... Remember when David Tennant, the world's ending, whatever, that big finale? That was proper yeah. fucking pantomime Davros. Yeah. Um... Which was cool, and when that was on, that was cool because, again, as a kid, like Davros was such a big figure in Doctor Who, so having back was cool and stuff. Whereas this was more low key and more intimate, and only on a few kind of sets, and was very unspectacular. It, it didn't use kind of spectacle as a crutch. It was it was very low key um, by Who terms, which I liked, and again, it allowed the writing to kind of come through and and breathe a bit and everything. And like one uh, of the things, uh, sorry. Um, I feel like the one thing like I felt was the strongest point of it was them, just the two of them having a conversation in that room and arguing their philosophy uh, to each other and how vehement they're going to be like, oh, I, this is how I am and I don't care what you say, I'm, you're not going to convince me otherwise. Like I could watch that for three hours, just them going in circles with that. It was like almost mm. 12 Angry Men level of like, of like we have two people in a room arguing, and that's how and that's how the whole story could be. It could have been that I would have been fine. With yeah, it. that's it. it. It was just such strong writing that you know it, it was a case of definitely the the uh, the writing serving the show instead of the effects or the spectacle, which was which was brilliant and and really watchable. And you know they managed to they, they pulled that relationship off perfectly. And and you know Capaldi gets. You know, he gets the Doctor's uh, relationship with Devros obviously really well. Um, and and he, being a kind of darker incarnation, and he, th- this Doctor is aware of the fact that he's perhaps 
a bit more sinister than previous ones or more recent ones. So when anyone insinuates that he's a bad person, you see it in his eyes that he kind of knows they might be right. Um, which is, you know, which was used, deployed brilliantly in, in that episode and in that exchange, you know, the, in the Darth Vader scene, if you like. Um, we, we're not so different, you and I, and all that shit. Uh, it, it, it affected him and you saw it in his performance. So it was brilliant. And then there was like... Um... Going back to what you saying about the reality bomb episode with Davros, I mean, like that, like that, that part may have been a little iffy and like him, like the fake regeneration. But I think like that show, that episode ended so well when they had to blank the mind, the mind of uh, oh, oh, uh, uh, Catherine Tate, what's yeah, Donna? Donna, and I mean like that. I was like, because well, I can't believe I forgot her name yet. I'm about to say this. Like Donna was my favorite companion, and I'm just she like, actually, oh, and, fair enough. Like, her, <laughs> And then, like, her being, like, her everything, like, that gone, I'm like, oh. Yeah, it was done, that was done, yeah, that was done nicely. There was really, and I will say, even though I've been laying into that, I thought that finale was amazing. That was brilliant. Yeah. When all the companions come together and, like, uh, the, the Daleks were there and Davros was there and everybody got kind of their arc. Doctor got to see Rose again. Uh, Donna, yeah, see, Donna got, Donna did get a really good ending. Yeah, you know, it didn't turn out to be some kind of fucking destiny or whatever. It was quite sad, but the doctor took care of her, mm-hmm. didn't he? He made sure she was happy and stuff, even though she'd been robbed of. And then they didn't undo that either, did they? No, um, there was like a hint in that like four episode series that he did, like that he did afterwards that led up to him being fully regenerated into Matt Smith. Like they mentioned, like. Donna has like a kind of like almost like a relapse with her memory, and then the doctor's like, "Oh, I put in a failsafe. Don't worry." I mean, it was a mm. nice nod to that, but it was like, okay, it wasn't like, "Oh my God, a leaf told me that you are really the one for me." <laughs> yeah, it it, it 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 was nice because they managed to get her back in it for the finale with the master stuff, but they didn't undo what had happened to her, so it still has its power. I thought it was really nicely done. Um. You know, and I do, I do love the cheesy, ridiculous spectacle ones. I mean, even at it, I'd say I draw the line at the David Tennant episode where him and Agatha Christie team up to fight a fucking wasp. That is <laughs> dumb. <laughs> Other than that, though, I was, I was always so excited to watch David Tennant episodes and that era. It was all brilliant. But even when, and I'm on board with all the fucking weird excess, but him and a crime novelist from real history fighting an enormous wasp is, I, I wasn't cool with that. That was dumb. <laughs> uh, I, I think like my favorite like spectacle episode with that could be, I think it was 42, where they end up on that ship that's going towards the sun, and they had those, like, those sun demons possessing people, Ooh. burning people to a crisp. Yeah, and- that was cool. And I remember I watched that like with the lights off at school, and I had to, I went to bed right after that. And I'm like, yeah, that's an episode to go out on. Oh god, and I, I'm hearing burn with me stuck in my head. <laughs> oh um, man, yeah, no, I I really like the um when they reintroduce the, like the end of the universe ever when they reintroduce the master as John Sim because yeah. I really love John Sim. I think he's great, and I love Derek Jacobi as well. So John Sim as the master at that time, I love that 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 three-parter is brilliant to me and that's total mm-hmm. goofball spectacle but I, I love it I think it's great <laughs> with another kind of sad ending where he would choose not to regenerate and mm. leave him alone and just be the only one in the universe of course that wouldn't of course the master yeah, would have a backup plan 
And that also has a Return of the Jedi ending, too, where he burns the body. Really badly. Like, really badly. Like, I remember at the time just going, like, dude, that is so on the nose. Like, that is exactly fucking Return of the Jedi. <laughs> we um, just can't get away with it in the, this podcast. There's so many times we've mentioned this, the movie. <laughs> it just, just keeps, yeah, it keeps coming back, doesn't it? Um, so, as the two-parter of this series comes to an end, where we find out there was a big scheme to regenerate the um, the the, the uh, Davros, but it actually turns out to be he's regenerating the Daleks, and you kind of feel like, is there going to be a hybrid, which he like talked about, but no, the Doctor was aware of his ruse and said, no, I'm going to regenerate the sludge that you flushed down the toilet that's going to come back and kill you now. Mm-hmm. Which I found You're was get killed by Dalek poo. <laughs> uh, which I thought was going to go in a totally different way, but I was like, oh, okay, um, I'll buy that. Mm, yeah, yeah. Well, I do object to. There's one thing I object to, and that's I do. I hate, hate, hate it when someone brings up the prophecy, because every so many mythologies have the prophecy, and it's just like, oh, really? Because you know, the thing of creating a Dalek Time Lord hybrid in that universe is a horrifying enough concept without giving the artificial weight of going like, oh, well, it is a prophecy of your culture. What if we fulfill the prophecy? What about the prophecy? Do you know about the prophecy? Well, the prophecy, the prophecy, the prophecy, because of the prophecy. And it's just like, oh, that's lazy writing. However, it was deployed minimally, Mm. but I just felt it was unnecessary. You didn't really have to have it as a prophecy. You could just say it was obviously a a horrendous concept to, to the Doctor. So you don't really need to to hang it off this kind of false concept of like preordained, you know, events. I meh, doesn't do it for me. <laughs> who was who was Anakin's father? There was no father. Need a shower. Need a shower. <laughs> it's like Ace Ventura, you crying as you wipe yourself down in the shower, burning your clothes. <laughs> I mean myself. Uh... Your friend comes over prequels. to get his things, and you just sees you see you doing that. Like, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> oh man! Prequels. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and like I like I was that age when the prequels came out, so those were my Star Wars. Like I had seen obviously the original trilogy a bunch of times before, but those were the Star Wars movies I saw in theaters. And like, I'm not blind to its faults, but I still enjoy some parts of it. But then again. That may just end our friendship right here. Who knows? I don't know what's going to happen. I think, I, I, I think it's a generational thing. I think people of, um, of particularly your kind of age and younger, those are the Star Wars movies they grew up with. So I, I can't really begrudge you that, to be fair. Um, I'm, I'm part of the slightly older. And no, no, no. I, that, that, I, yeah, no, nobody goes that far, do they, unless they're <laughs> deranged. Well, I, was, I was about 16 when those came out. Uh, when, when Phantom Menace came out, I was 16 years old, so I saw it in the cinema and stuff with all this expectation. It was just like, you know. But then I think a lot of people feel similar way about old Who and new Who. I mean, there are fans who just won't acknowledge new Doctor Who at all. And it's like, well, you know, unfortunately... I don't think there's a legitimate argument about that with Doctor Who because Star Wars was fucked up by George Lucas, whereas Doctor Who, even before it got cancelled originally, changed hands so many times that this new interpretation is completely valid as far as I'm concerned. Right, and um, there is... I forget who the guy who was running the BBC when Colin Baker, the Sixth Doctor, was on TV and he got kind of a short stick on many fronts, especially from the, the heads of uh, the TV station. That would be Michael Grade. He's mm-hmm. quite famous... Uh, in this country he still does kind of punditry and he used to run channel four and stuff um yeah he had a personal kind of 
hate boner for um for Doctor Who, so he kind of made sure it was cancelled. Uh, though in um, <laughs> I'm going to use a naughty word, Tim, so you might want to be ready to bleep. I don't know. Armando Iannucci, the guy who works with Capaldi, I was talking about earlier. He works with another guy called Chris Morris, and Chris Morris did like a satirical news show called Brass Eye. Okay. Um, and at that time, Michael Grady was in charge of a different network called Channel 4 in the UK. And he uh, made uh, Chris Morris cut certain things out of Brass Eye. So in one episode of Brass Eye that was broadcast, um, Chris Morris slipped a single frame into the episode where it just flashed up and said, Grade is a cunt. it's fucking brilliant so to Doctor Who fans you know unrelated to Doctor Who Michael Grade got his in a very small way (laughs) if it makes you feel any better Um, he's going to see that frame when the final synapses are going off in his brain and he's like son of a bitch and that's how he's going to go out that's the last firing synapse just says great as a cut before he dies. And he screams out like, oh! And that's how it goes out. Um, yeah, so that was that was old old grade. He's a bit of an arsehole, if I'm honest. But um, yeah, that was his. I, I, and, you know, the new thing, I remember a time, because obviously when... I was at uni when New Who started, it'd be about 2004, and I remember tuning in because, you know, I loved Doctor Who as a kid, and I was like, oh, i got to check this out. And nobody knew, you know, there was a, there was a huge feeling that it was just going to be a massive failure. Like, people really thought, because Doctor Who disappeared from our screens so kind of ignominiously, you know, because it's a really well-loved institution, but everyone considered it to be shit towards the end, which I think is a bit unfair, and it was cancelled, and only fucking weirdos like Doctor Who, and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't really supposed to, you know, it wasn't really supposed to take off, and it did, because it was just done so successfully and sympathetically and everything. Um, this has led us to the point we're at now, where we're, you know, nine series in, and we've got Peter Capaldi as the Doctor, which is pretty messed up um, in a nice it's way. It's fantastic, one could say. No, it, as as yeah, that would be one turn of phrase you could use. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I was thinking about that while you're speaking, like, oh, I can't pass up that opportunity of using it. I I had to, otherwise, I'd feel bad about myself. Um, too good, too good. Yeah. Uh, so as this two parter ends, where the the doctor turns the um, plot around on Davros and Scarrow, pretty much starts to destroy itself with its own sludge. Um, Missy has convinced uh, Clara to get into a Dalek that's been vacated and plans to have the Doctor kill the Dalek and thus killing Clara and then be ridding of the dog in that couple situation, her eyes. Mm-hmm. Which I thought, like I was saying, well, really nice throwback to how her she got started, that she was a Dalek, she was a girl on a Dalek and... And then, like, she was able to teach the word mer- when she was able to say the word mercy, and that's what caused um, the doctor to go back and save Davros and say the, the term mercy is important. You have to remember that. I thought that was a nice ending. And, of course, the, the only problem I think I have with the episode is, like, all right, the Daleks are supposed to ex- exterminate Clara and, the, and Missy, but they just get transported to outside. Mm-hmm. Did, did yeah. Missy say she did that or was it the Daleks just being morons? Well, she, Missy said she did it in that kind of opening montage thing, didn't she? She based it on a trick of the doctors. And, um, also when Missy died in the season finale of series eight, mm-hmm. like 
her quote unquote death, it was the same animation as whenever right. she used to teleport. So it was like, well, she's obviously not dead, which we all know now. Anyway, it's a material. But yeah, she had that little opening thing, didn't she? That cute little black and white flashbacky thing where mm. she's like, oh yeah, she, he adapted the teleporters to use all the energy from the blah, blah, blah. And I guess she just adapted the teleporter to accept Dalek energy or whatever the bloody hell, you know, <laughs> that, yeah, that is. Of a hand wave. And what was the, um, what's the new one called? What's last night's episode called? Uh, the. Like Under the Lake or something? Yeah. Under the Lake. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that's kind of back into more kind of uh, trapped in a base type territory, which is something Doctor Who does quite a lot, isn't it? Kind of like, oh, we're trapped in a base and a thing's happening. Which I think some of the best episodes can be done there because. Oh, hell yes. Oh, yes, absolutely. And it was something, there was a few things I noticed about this episode. The highlights for me were, there's a moment where the doctor is talking to Clara and she's kind of like in denial about Danny's, not denial that Danny is dead or anything like that, but I feel like she hasn't fully accepted it. And this is her coping mechanism by going on adventures so she doesn't have to face it. Because That's that a really sweet moment. I really like that. That was a brilliant like, bit between I'm waiting for her to break down when she comes to like terms that like what she's doing is she's not properly coping and the doctor seems to notice it and he's gonna have to be that shoulder for her not saying that she doesn't need a shoulder or anything like that but i mean and then like the outfits like her outfit and then the design of the base seemed very retro even though it's supposed to be very futuristic i thought her outfit was very 60s and i thought that was a nice touch she doesn't look too modern and won't date itself and then mm. the base itself looked very like it could be like spy who loved me kind of design <laughs> And the final, like, when they're chasing the ghosts around the corridors, I, scr- I yelled at the screen from the Alien 3, like, this thing is really pissed off! <laughs> that's, that's, that's the thing, first thing that came to mind when they were doing that, that scene when they're chasing the ghosts around the corridors. Yeah, no, well, I, thought it was, I thought it was absolutely superb. Brilliant episode and really exciting, really exciting cliffhanger at the end. It was funny, it was a bit scary, it had its own kind of internal logic. There's a few kind of dumb things where it's like, are they actually specifically paying that guy just to translate sign language? Wouldn't you just hire one of the officers, well, you would hire an officer to do an existing role who also does sign language? Sorry to get into the weird economics of it, but I was just like, that's a bit dumb. Um, yeah, you, you figure you would have thought that out, like, all right, he's going he's gonna, to, they probably all have multifunctions in that base anyway, so... He'd be kind of like the only guy, like, she's kind of typing up a report and not talking to anybody. I guess I'll see yeah. again. He's got to follow her around all day. He was dumb. I got two two stray observations uh, from this episode. So Colin McFarlane was in it. You know Colin McFarlane? He was Commissioner Loeb from The Dark Knight and The Dark Knight Rises. Yes. Yeah. Um, Colin McFarlane is from Cambridge. Really? True story. Yeah, he went around here because he's been in he's been on british tv for years and years and years uh like he's he's done loads of comedy and stuff before so seeing him in the dark night was a bit like oh cool um yeah he's from cambridge he went to the Perth school true story um second stray observation which is this is a bit <clears throat> tenuous but fuck it um the the place like having the town flooded under a lake that's I mean, it happens the world over, but that's quite a common practice here. It used to be. So there are quite a few kind of reservoirs and stuff whereby, yeah, there's, it's usually the church that's still intact as well. So the fact they use the church is interesting. Um, 
that's quite a common practice. And there's one near here called Gratham Water, which is the same thing. It uh, apparently has the church still intact under the lake, and it's where all the school kids go and do like white water, not like white water rafting, but like water sports and stuff. Um, oh. So, kind of is referencing sort of a real thing. And next week's episode, according to the trailer, is he goes back in time before it's flooded, and it looked really cool. Um, I'm really because this is something I meant to bring up actually. <clears throat> Despite being a time travel show. Doctor Who doesn't really seem to concern itself that much with um, causality. It's not that often. I mean, episodes like Blink do really heavily, like really heavily use the time travel thing. There's been a couple of Matt Smith ones that really use the time travel element. But most of the time, the TARDIS is just a way to go to Rome or Disneyland or Mars. Like, it's not like, oh, well, I'm going to go back and meet myself and fix this and blah, blah, blah. Because, like, they did it in... um, the Big Bang, didn't they? Where like the Doctor comes out and dies and blah blah blah. Yeah. Um, so this seems to be dealing with actual time travelly stuff because he says to her at the end, "Oh, I'm going to go back." And then obviously the the Capaldi ghost came at the end, which was like, "Oh, that's a bloody cool way to end the episode." Yeah, um, really cool, like scary image, like Ugh. yeah, like it is. It was like because Moffat seems quite you know keen to use actual time travel kind of causality based stuff where davis didn't so much um so it's always welcome and i just uh, thought yeah really great episode and the fact it actually it, in its own small way touched on the the effects of time travel and you know actually what having a time machine would be like instead of just taking you to bloody i don't know dover or whatever <laughs> you know where the episode's supposed to be set um so yeah it was nice and hopefully you know well, that's the secret to a good cliffhanger. I really want to know how they get out of this one. Yeah, you know yeah. they're going to get out of it. It's how of they course. do it. And it was like, I'm watching it, I'm watching the time, and I'm like, it's not going to be like the power of three where we're going to uh, set up the antagonist and solve the problem within the last ten minutes, is it? And I'm like, no. I'm like, this is this another two-parter? Can we, like, like yeah, I didn't, three I years of, like, without two-parters and we get two of them back-to-back? That is unusual, isn't it? Because you just don't expect it. That's really unusual. Um, no, yeah, now you've put it like that as well. Two back-to-back, and it's the first one in like three years. Yeah, weird. But I very, you know, liked it a lot, so I'm happy for it to be a two-parter. If they're all this strong, I'll take a whole series of two-parters if they're, you know, that good. Um, I'm looking at the Wikipedia list of all the upcoming episodes, and, like, the next episode, Before the Flood, episode five, The Girl Who Died, episode six, The Woman Who Lived, so that seems like a two-parter. Dun dun, yeah. Seven and eight, uh, the Zygon invasion and the Zygon inversion. They are all, aren't they? And They're then all two partners. The last four, Seep No More, Face the Raven, Heaven Sent, and Hell Bent. Huh. Huh, how about that? That's weird. I, I like it. I mean, if they're all this good, like I say, then hey-ho, and it gets kind of longer-form storytelling. Like, which, yeah, cool. Which I've missed, and I think it's... It's closer to what the original series were, like the four 25-minute 20, episodes. I mean, I think mm. that, that that formula works. I mean, like, there are times where it seems like it's being padded out, but there are times where it's like you need every minute. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think when they did, you know, episodes like The Power of Three and, like, the Cowboy one and stuff, because you remember they were advertising them as, like, mini-movies, and they had, like, they made cute little posters for them and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um I didn't like that. Like you described it brilliantly with the power of three, because then you end up just racing to the conclusion in the last ten minutes, and it's all that kind of standalone stuff. Because yeah, Doctor Who, 
was serials originally. And but I think the power threes even is looked down upon even more is because the following episodes we kill Rory and Amy, and that was mm. like like which it was shocking. I feel like he was ta- like Moffat was taking his like cues from Josh Whedon and George R R Martin and being like, oh, you like these people? Good, they're gone. Yeah, now. fuck you. Like <laughs> and and Angels have- in Manhattan was awful. That's one of the worst Moffat episodes. And, like, that conclusion, like, it left me really upset. And then, like, I had to go to my three-hour movie genre class where I had to <laughs> drag my ass across campus. It's like, it's not fair. I sit down. Rooney, I'm like, here. <laughs> I don't care if we're going to watch a, a film noir from France from 1946. I don't care. Even though it looks interesting. Amy and Rory are dead. <laughs> exactly. It, you can't absolve my, my sadness right now. Oh, uh, God. That was just dumb. <laughs> I'm like the, the 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 thing with the Statue of Liberty can fuck off. Doesn't make any sense. And something's always looking at it. The most observed fucking thing probably in the world. What are you talking about? And it's just standing over someone's house. It makes it makes Ghostbusters two look like fucking Citizen Kane. That bit. <laughs> like, gee, not that I got any beef for Ghostbusters two. No. But, but you know what I mean. Like, your love is lifting me higher. It's <laughs> got way more us than the fucking statue with an angel face that's just walked across town. Oh, oh. I hated that episode. That was a really kind of weak run, I think. Especially like, all right, Rory's standing in the middle of the hallway, and there's two angels on either side of the hallway. Um, they're facing each other. They should not be able to move because they're fucking looking at each other. They didn't even use that as a device before. Like, what the fuck? and like like last like weeping angel gripe and then we'll move on it was like that episode it was a two-parter when matt smith i think first encountered them when they were like with the the priest military and amy goes blind because she has an angel in her eye and then we (laughs) we the audience see the angel statue move now in my eyes i always thought that's not the full that's not the complete form of this creature I feel like that was the standby mode, and then we actually see the statue move, and I'm like, I don't think that's what you said before, but okay, I'll go with that. Uh, something that never yeah, sat well with me. Make your damn mind up, you know? <sighs> it's just, yeah, the inconsistency, it bloody kills me. It really does. Um, which is a shame, because Moffat seems to be quite quite good at that stuff normally. I just I know there's been behind the scenes stuff there's, that they're all quite vague and specious about when they discuss it. So I don't know what the problems are that are going down or were. Because I think in America times there's probably kind of power plays going on or something. But um, yeah, shame that. And you know Matt Smith was as great as ever in them. And that trio of characters made it watchable. You know Amy Rory and and Eleventh Doctor. But some of the writing was just bloody shocking. It was really bad. And, and uh, I mean, I'm sorry, I'm just kind of a loss for words right now. I'm just thinking of all. Yeah, the no, fair enough, there. absolutely. <laughs> but like, but like, they're funny. Like, it's not a Rory and Amy moment, but I always thought it was a really hilarious moment. It was from the Eleven Doctors um, run, and it was uh, the uh, I forget who's the like the Sun Tower and uh, Butler for the two female. The oh, uh, oh. It's not like it's it rhymes with facts. It's like Stra- thrax. Strax. Strax, there you go. Strax. 
And sorry for all you Who fans that we had the brain fart there. Don't kill us. Yeah. Um, it was like that one moment, like, it's his, it's, he's on vacation. You took, told him to take the weekend off. You know where he is. I wish you never discovered that place. Cut to Glasgow, and you see him fly through the window fighting a Scotsman. And I don't know why. I thought that was hilarious. And I'm just like, well, now I know what I have to do when I go to with the Glasgow now. I guess that's how it's that's how it's done there. Uh, I, could be, <laughs> I could be totally mistaken and be like, oh, I am American. I want to get to a, a bar fight with her. Any uh, local people? <laughs> <laughs> I, I love Strax. He's great. Hey, Tim, uh, if you're, uh, I've got a tip for you. You know what you should do if you're planning to go to Glasgow? Mm-hmm. Like, go to Edinburgh instead. Really? <laughs> no, not really. I'm being mean. But I would say, as, as a tourist, you might have a better time in Edinburgh. Uh, Glasgow's a bit nuts. <laughs> but it is great. It's a great city, but they're a bit crazy. I mean, you probably would see a Sontar and fighting someone in a pub if you went there. It's that kind of, that kind of level of crazy. Like, um, the, like the biggest like worry I have when I come to if I ever visit UK in general, I'm just be like, be like American World from London, like, oh, me and my buddy, we're gonna have to cross <laughs> the moors tonight. I'll see you later, and then I get ravaged uh, and, the, and get Nazi werewolf uh, nightmares out of it. The London moors that don't exist. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. um, I won't go into that, but uh, yeah, great movie. You got a good, um, yeah, I reckon you could do quite a good. America, where we're London tour. I'm here in London. I know it well. But locations, but I can show you the rest of it. <laughs> in uh, fact, somewhere there's a real, there's a real TARDIS, by which I mean there's a real police call box that they've preserved. Um, I can't remember where that is. Where was that? It's near Farringdon, I think. You can walk to it from Farringdon Station. But there's a proper, you know, TARDIS style police call box that they've chosen to leave in place. You can go and get a picture with and stuff. That's cool. A genuine one. Yeah, it is. It's really cool. And not just because the Doctor Who thing, but because it is a genuine, you know, you can see what the real thing was like. Um, yeah, it's pretty cool. If you're ever up that way, go to Farringdon Station, I think, and it's near there. Nice, Probably nice, somewhere. Nice. Like, um, totally. So, like we're saying, we've only seen the first half of a two-parter here. What do you feel like, or what do you hope for the second episode in this two-parter and then for the rest of the series? Hmm. Well... Wibbly wobbly timey wimey next week, isn't it? I think that's yeah. what we got. Uh, wibbly wobbly timey wimey. Uh, I want the continued development of Capaldi's Doctor. I want uh, something to actually have. If Clara's leaving, I want her to get a good send off and for it to have kind of meaning and weight. Um, I do not want them to magic Danny Pink back to life. So, Clara, I'm happy now because I'm not dead, Clara. That would be rubbish. <laughs> um, I, w- I just, I, I feel that the feeling of consequence has been restored to the show because a lot of the stuff in the last series was kind of fluffy and didn't really have any weight, whereas this feels like things are actually happening. And a few more clues about, because the, the ongoing thing is the return of Gallifrey, isn't it? So yeah. a few more clues about where Gallifrey is hidden. Not to just go to the special and bring it back, that would be a shame, but, you know, some kind of hints and his continuing kind of chase of Gallifrey would be nice. As long as Timothy Dalton with the Infinity Gauntlet's there, I'll yes. be happy. Yes! Oh my Doctor, god. Doctor, I am back to stop you. <laughs> that was amazing. He's so good as Rathalon. I loved him. He's amazing. Uh, <laughs> and I was just like, um, like you were saying, like, the, like last season did not have consequences. These, the, the show was turning into the Marvel Cinematic Universe where death does not have a consequence if you really, if you really try. I'm just like, you're not making it important enough. I mean, 
the reason why, like, going back to Star Wars yet again, the reason, well, even, like, Ben Kenobi came back, but that moment when he's cut down, you're like, they've lost a big part of that that um, group, and now he's gone. And it's like, it, it had weight <clears> to it. And he, but, he doesn't really come back. I mean, he's a kind of a ghost that can interlope. It's when someone actually comes back, it's like, oh. <laughs> like, kind of like Agent Coulson. You know, he used to be so cool and mysterious. Now he's just, bleh. I haven't, yeah. I haven't watched Angels in the Shield just on the, the 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 events of the first Avengers. I'm like, no, that's stupid. They killed him off, and that was for good reason. Why did you bring him back? That's why he wasn't in Avengers 2, because Whedon was like, no, I'm putting my foot down. I'm not going to have that. None of that bullshit. Mm. Yeah. And I uh, I can confirm that it doesn't get any less stupid, <laughs> having, having watched it in a kind of masochistic way. I mean, I'll deal with the I'll deal with the stupidity of Gotham right now. That's like that's level that's as, as far as I can go with yeah, it. Gotham is wonderfully dumb. There's something brilliantly ins- there's something kind of lip smackingly insane about Gotham. That's what I like. It's so well like it's got all this brilliant production design and direction, but the writing is total horseshit, but in the most brilliant way. It's just completely nuts. It's like a lunatic wrote it. (laughs) And you got the penguin over here like, yes, uh, Jim, I can help you. Don't worry if you just trust me. And I'm like, somebody like, he looks like he's freezing. Give him a goddamn blanket. He's going to get hypothermia and he's inside. I liked when Jeffrey Coombs had his head stitched onto the body of a sexy lady. That was one of the best things I've ever seen. Like, oh, I love that show because it's awful. Have you seen any of the new season? <clears throat> no, it's not on here yet. Um, I think because the ratings weren't great, they're not in a hurry to... Because, like, S.H.I.E.L.D., <clears throat> for example, used to be on the same night here that it was on in the States. Right. Because the ratings were great, they stopped that, and it just had come on later. Gotham, I think, didn't do as well as they expected. So it, was, it did fine, but we're not getting it at the same time as the States, so we have to wait a few months before it starts up. And I'm not... I don't care enough to, like go to extreme measures to get hold of it early i wait you know well the only the one moment i'll tell you about is that oh dude spoil me like honestly as uh, only don't spoil stupid things <laughs> well, there's just... one stupid thing i, I can't oh, go, on, go on go on go it's, on tell me victor's ass is penguins like right hand man and they go to pressure commissioner uh Loeb, and they're like the commissioner's in his kitchen he has like the silent alarm for his guard and he's like, uh-huh, yeah, I see that. And then Zaz just pulls up the head of the guard, the severed head. He's like, hi, boss, how you doing? And he starts moving the jaw, and I'm just like, <laughs> I burst out laughing. Yes, I can't wait. That's going to be amazing. Oh, I and can't he, wait. he pulls out his gun to shoot him, and Peng was like, no, no, don't wait. Don't, 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 we're not done here. And he's like, all right, fine. They finished their conversation, and the Penguin just looks at him like two minutes later. He's like... What, you, you, you want me to shoot him now? Yes, I'd like to shoot me now. Fine, I just want to get confirmation before I do it. And then he just double taps him. And I'm like, I would love to see like the two of them stuck in traffic. And to see their banter <laughs> dealing with like something really mundane. Just them on the drive over or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh my god. I, like, he pulled the severed head and I just, I could not stop laughing. I had to pause the show. I was like, oh, I, I need a moment here. That oh. sounds splendid. I cannot wait. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so like like you were saying, like I hope they keep this. Like it seems like they're having this this uh, two parter episode kind of vibe for it. Let's hope it doesn't become a a hindrance, and they have enough story to warrant these two ep- these two parters if they are going to continue mm. with it, rather than oh 
we got a two-parter. We got to stretch it out a little bit. And it just becomes mm-hmm. really just monotonous. But let's see. Yeah. yeah as long yeah. as it's going well so far, let's hope they keep that ship steady. Like, the only thing that gives me solace in that is because like, he's written for Sherlock for three seasons. And for the most part, most part, I put that in, in the, air, the biggest air quotes ever. That most part <laughs> of it never feels being like it's dragging. But no, you can argue. Yeah. But, that's very top notch, isn't it? Because they do they, they they compress everything nicely into those kind of three feature length episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, no safe hands, really. You'd have thought. I mean, like you were saying, like, if they like that, Jenna Coleman says like she's done, she's going to be exiting the show. And there was mm. a point where I was really upset with her character, and I was like, and like they had the Robin Hood episode, they had the teaser for it, I'm like. How awesome would it be if, like, a stray arrow killed her? Something really... (laughs) (laughs) That Robin Hood is not really the the Prince of Thieves. He's actually a dumbass that accidentally kills her. And I'm like, it's a little dark. I think I should... Just just trips on a brick. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh, no, 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 no. It's like like Hot Fuzz when they push the statue off the top of the church and it crushes her head. Uh, Oh, she slips and falls on her own shears. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> you're saying this wasn't an accident <laughs> she tripped and fell on her own shears oh, Lizzie Taylor was fucking murdered <laughs> oh what a movie <laughs> Timothy, Timothy Dalton yes fine for him in that movie <laughs> Lizzie Taylor is dead every now and then my buddy and I will just text each other just like, I'm a slasher at all caps and be like, what? <laughs> I'm a slasher of prices. Of prices. <laughs> I've, I've got um, one of my friends, she always, she always texts me out of the blue and just goes, no luck catching those killers then. And actually, <laughs> I have to send back just the one killer, actually. <laughs> <laughs> what, brain freeze? No, brain wave. Get us back brain to the station <laughs> now. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> he tries to eat the cornetto. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Okay, anyway. better, um, better wrap up. Uh, yeah, I know, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm keeping you. That's all good, man, don't worry, don't worry. I'm going to have to all give right, him all this so... stuff back. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so I hope everybody has enjoyed this episode and the, the amongst the mindless ramblings of references to UK culture and any other, and how many Star Wars references. I wish there was a counter, how many Star Wars references we made this episode thus far. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, like we said, we hope for the best when it comes to this upcoming season. And I'll talk to you guys again about Doctor Who when it comes to near the end of the season. Hope everybody listened. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can follow me at Timothy Rooney2 on Twitter. Richard, if you want these people to follow you, where can they follow you? I was just trying to remember my Twitter <laughs> handle. Um, yes, it's it's ITS underscore Jackson time. It's nice, Jackson nice, time. Nice. It's Jackson time, everybody. And I'm too old to have any other social media. <laughs> <laughs> and I hope everybody's enjoyed this episode. And stay tuned because we have other horror podcasts coming your way in the month of October. And Doc 2 will be back near the end of the season, probably near the Christmas special. <laughs>